Every business comes to life through its service experience. Your business success depends on whether your customers are loyal to you. That's where real value and profit is created. Great companies ubiquitously have great customer experiences. A thin red line divides those that invest and consistently deliver what their customers need and those that fail and get disrupted. In competitive and challenging times, leaders need to double down on their customer experience. Learn and grow the value you create. Grow your success. Be on the right side of that thin red line. This is the CX Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and customer experience guru, public speaker, and author. Your business success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to the Customer Experience Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Campbell McPherson, who's an international business advisor, a, a keynote speaker on the public space on the public stage internationally. Uh, he's got an incredible background in change. Read, wrote two books. One is around the power to change, which just was released this year uh, in 2020, and the other one, the Change Catalyst. Uh, which is just a couple of years ago, uh, worked across multiple different industries, a strategic director for Zurich, has uh, worked in, in different industries, breadth of experience, and excited to have him talk to us about uh, culture and, and change. Um, but first, I have to ask you uh, about your accidentally joining the Air Force. And as I understand, you were one of the best pilots. Yes, that's you got that half right. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Eric. Now, I still hold the record. Uh, you probably tell by my funny uh, anglicized Australian accent. I still hold the record for being the worst pilot ever to make it through to jets in the Royal Australian Air Force. So uh, the, the big reason for that is that I couldn't land because I had to memorize the eye chart to keep flying. So um, if you ever want to, to fly in the RAAF, all you need to know is C-L-E-D-H-B-T-V-O and you're fine. <laughs> and maybe one day over a wine, glass of wine that I'll need to understand that piece. But tell me a little bit about how you got into the change space and a little bit about your passion for customers, uh, for organizational change. I'd love to. I'd love to. Well, well really, ever since leaving the Air Force to, to uh, the, the applause of my instructors, I, my, my career has really been all about all about change. In fact, I started mm -hmm. my passion for change with Anderson Consulting back in the uh, in the late 90s, where, where I joined them as a senior manager in the change division. And I was fascinated to, to think that change was actually a discipline, which I hadn't been aware of and, uh, until then. Mm -hmm. And what Anderson Consulting was brilliant at was logic and systems and process. But what I learned they were shocking at was people. And of course, no change is possible without every all of the people being aligned and engaged and right. and wanting to change. So it was the best lesson of my life to spend two or three years with Anderson Anderson Consulting, and I went on to all sorts of of different careers, but every single one of them has been all about change. And I've been helping CEOs and mm -hmm. leaders to uh, to to uh, instigate successful and sustainable change ever since. And actually, I've learned six lessons back from uh, back from mm. the days in Anderson Consulting, right through today, six lessons about change, well, really over the last 25 years. The first one is that all change is personal, even right. even the most most um, 
detailed and complex of organizational changes is actually a, a culmination of a myriad of personal uh, personal individual changes. And the second thing I've learned is that we all erect our own personal barriers to change. Now, the good news mm. about that is they can be overcome, which was the, the second book, The Power to Change, is all about that. The third right. thing that I learned is that all change is emotional. And this is what I, mm -hmm. I, I, I was frustrated with at Anderson Consulting, is that everything was very logical, but actually emotion is four times more powerful than logic when it comes to change. And, and the fourth thing is that because of what's emotional, we, we only change if we want to. So we don't change because we're told to. If, if a change leader stands up and, and preaches about, about this is the direction we're going to and, and this is why, we have to be engaged emotionally if we're really to be on board the change. So that, that's number four. And the consequence of that mm -hmm. is number five, which is, in my view, leadership is actually all about helping your people to want to change. And the punchline to, to this diatribe is actually number six, which is, and we can be our own leader of change. We can be our own change catalyst, which is the, uh, the title of the, of the first book, which was all about, all about leading change. But your, your question about organizational change, mm -hmm. to me, the passion about that is all good organizational change starts with the strategy and every good strategy starts with the customer. I mean, you can't have a strategy mm. that doesn't start with the customer. Um, and so right. organizational change starts with the strategy. Uh, that starts with the customer and it ends with the people because the people are the only way you're going to actually deliver the change that you and your customers need. I think that's a, a, an incredibly important point. And too often when it comes to customer experience, people forget that link. They're not aligning team members with the outcomes. Uh, I, I, mm. The number of executives I've spoken to who say they care about the customer experience, but then all they reinforce is, is other metrics around average handle time, how quickly you get rid of a customer. You haven't aligned anybody with what the good outcome is. And then they wonder why there's a complaint, why something's not working. They're not delivering the customer experience strategy they want to. That is so true. That is so true. My, actually, the, my, my understanding of customer experience started with Virgin Lines when we put that together. Mm. Uh, about 18 years ago and we it was all about the customer experience it was we literally was following the customer on every page of the website it became one of the largest online wine retailers over in over in mm -hmm. the uk and and to follow the customer on every single page and think why wasn't that experience good enough why did they drop out there and and it's what every e-business does now but back then it was mm -hmm. it was really quite new and it hammered home to me that the detail of the customer experience is absolutely critical. And if you don't align your teams to deliver the actual customer experience, then nothing's going to happen. Now, I mean, too many organizations right. align their, their, their top teams and their executives on financial measures, you know, revenue, EBITDA, those sorts of things. And in fact, one of my mm. current clients at the moment, that's exactly how they're aligning their executives and all they've done is watched both revenue and EBITDA go down the drain for the last three or four years because they weren't aligned on the customer experience. And that's what I've been working with with this particular client to do. Get back to basics. Who are the customers? Mm. Why, what do they think of you? Why do they think of you? When do they think of you? What do they want? How are you delivering it? And what's the experience? And, and now we're remunerating the executives on the actual customer experience and weirdly enough, the numbers are now starting to, to turn around in the other direction.
It, it, it's phenomenally simple. Yet I wish more people were getting that same story because I, I, I keep going back to it in the U.S. as this great example from from Southwest Airlines, where um, he even says, "Focus first on your employees. Yeah, uh, they'll get the experience right, and then the money will flow." Uh, but start with the employee, and then with that alignment with the customer experience, and don't worry about the rest. Uh, yet so many people focus everything on the PNL. Average handle time is really just a PNL metric. Yes, very true. No, no, that's that's very true. In fact, it it can be a completely meaningless metric to be to be perfectly honest. It's the quality <laughs> of the experience that's important. It's not the duration. absolutely <laughs> exactly. It's completely useless uh, and and drives completely the wrong thing. I get rid of you as opposed to yes, exactly. solve your problem to make you loyal. Yeah, I know. One of the, I was HR director of a of a large financial services firm over here, and and we had a real we had customer uh, service issues, but all of the metrics we're measuring were perfect. But and and it was exactly that we were getting rid of people on phone calls. So the the time of the customer service calls were 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 ridiculously low. The number of calls were going up. <laughs> and there were no outcomes being delivered. So it it's funny, isn't it? Theoretically, it's so simple, but it's so difficult mm. for so many exec teams to be able to get back to basics. And there, it can often be quite frightening for them to move away from the spreadsheet and start thinking about customer outcomes, which actually was the reason for the first book, to be honest. Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit more about your first book, uh, the Change Catalyst. Uh, you talk about a few secrets that make change sustainable. Uh, that that's a challenge a lot of businesses have is the sustainability of change. Um, you talk about eighty eight percent of change initiatives and business strategies fail. Uh, so, what are some of the things that you've seen, you've learned around increasing the probability of success? Right. Well, I'll tell you a little story about the change, the change catalyst. It was something I wrote when I was advising the Sovereign Wealth Fund in Abu Dhabi about four or six years ago now. And uh, as, as that contract was coming to an end, I thought, right, I'm going to resume my consultancy. So what I need to do is why don't I write a book? Why don't I just write down all the lessons I've learned about leading change? Um, I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm going to call it, but why don't I just write this, this book down? And I saw this statistic of 88% of change initiatives fail in a Bain and Company uh, survey. And I thought, right, that's the hook for the book because the first question is why. And then the next question is, so what do you do about them? So the first 10 chapters of the book is about why change fails. And the next 10 chapters is about what are the essential ingredients to sustainable change. And interesting thing is I was just going to publish that book myself as a calling card when I resumed my consultancy when I went back to, to the UK. But Wiley liked it so much, they decided to publish it. And then blow, blow me over, a year later, it won the business book of the year here in the UK. So it, it really has, has uh, resonated to so many uh, sure. leaders uh, within this market. So let me tell you why. I believe mm-hmm. um, that the 88% of change initiatives fail, or, or even, let's turn it around and say, what can we do to make sure that we are one of the one in eight that actually succeed? And the first thing is utter clarity of what we're trying to achieve and why. Now, that sounds fairly obvious, but let me just dig down a little deeper. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it's, obvious, but I know, I've seen failure on this part. It's right. motherhood and apple pie, but just let me dig down. But we don't want to say clarity what we're trying to achieve. It's not just the numbers. It comes back to what we were talking about before. It's not just the numbers. It's actually the narrative. Most 
most mm -hmm. change leaders, they will stand up and they'll give the numbers. We need to double the size of the, right. of the business. We need to reduce costs by 20%. But they won't actually talk about the narrative or they won't give the narrative of what does good look like? What does the future look like when we're actually going to be uh, delivering this change? That's the first thing. And the second thing is we have to know why. Because if you remember what I sure. said in my opening thing is that, that all change is emotional and we, we have to engage ourselves emotionally if we want to change, then we have to give the emotional reason why we should embrace this change. And most people just give the logical emotion, uh, the logical reason mm -hmm. of why we should embrace the change. And I think that's that's the key with with that first point is that we have to engage people emotionally because emotions are four times more powerful than logic yep. if we want them to actually deliver what we want them to deliver. But two of the most important other things of why change fails and how to be really good at this is very few organizations bother to think through what are the implications of the change before they go and instigate it. So so every single change has consequences. Every you know every silver lining has a cloud as I as I, as I like right. to say. So if you can engage your people and I did this with, with a large organization over here I got the top 100 people in the organization together and said your CEO wants to double the size of this business and you've just heard him speak for the last 15 minutes on how wonderful that's going to be I know that going through your heads are all the negatives are all of the issues are all <laughs> the concerns are all the fears you've got are all the implications are all the consequences let's get them out on the table now and they were a bit nervous about it yeah. to start with <laughs> as you can imagine <laughs> Right. But it worked really well because then we started to work on, well, how are we going to overcome them? So by the end of this sure. whole session, everyone was on board because we'd understood what the implications of the of the change were, were, were going to be. Hmm. Interesting. So so you, your second book that you just recently released, it looks like you had a crystal ball uh, before yeah. publishing it because uh, you couldn't get a better time book. It's The Power to Change, uh, really about the importance of change-ready cultures, um, that that what are some of the salient points you want to take away? Obviously, the you've got a great article. If you haven't, if you want a quick preview, encourage you to read the the Fast Company article about your book, as well as uh, there's yep. another one you you've recently published on Forbes. Great articles, great summaries. What are the salient points around the, this change ready culture? Well, the power to change is all about how to embrace personal change. It's the flip side of the change catalyst. And you're right, it couldn't have been a better year. But of course, the the way that, that publishing schedules work, I'd finished writing this book this time last year. So when it was it was going to be published in the June. So it was all wrapped up completely by the end of <laughs> January. And then of course in February and March, I, I got straight on back onto the publisher and said, please stop, please don't tell me you've printed anything. We forgot to mention COVID. <laughs> <laughs> So it was going to be a, a book on how to embrace change without mentioning the biggest change that has, has been for, for a century. Right. Luckily, we, we were then able to uh, re-engineer it. And there's a really good forward on, on what we've learned from, um, from COVID that, um, uh, that we included in the book, because the book ended up not being published until October. But so the salient features of the book, well, leading on from the change catalyst, it, it's the first thing is that change is inevitable. And it's, a, it's key to our own sense of well-being, our own mental health, and our own future if we can accept change, embrace it, and start to look for the opportunities. So that, that's the summary of it. But 
as leaders, if your people aren't ready, willing and able to accept and embrace change, then you and your business will not succeed. So it's a book for employees. It's a book for uh, leaders who want to engage employees. And it's a book for us personally, because what we really have learned looking back in 2020 is that we can change and we can instigate. We can we can change in a major way if we have a strong emotional reason for doing so. That's and, and that, I think, has been hammered home. Over in the UK, we went into to lockdown for three months in the at the start of, of the pandemic, and we all did it willingly, and we all did it with great enthusiasm. I'm not sure the enthusiasm is there anymore; it's waned a bit. But we did it. We did it at the start because we had a strong emotional reason. You know, we we're protecting the health service, we're protecting our our, our people, our loved ones. Um, so we learned that. But we, what, what I look back on 2020 and. Suddenly, I think the world has woken up that mental health actually matters and that every people is a people business. So leaders Mm -hmm. have woken up to the fact that, strangely enough, people don't work very well when they're anxious, (laughs) which is (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) It's a bit of a blinding glimpse of the obvious, isn't it, Eric? But but they have woken up to, to that. So what I've been doing is running embracing change workshops based on the book and webinars, obviously, for the last few months. For, for employees to help them develop the, the mindset, the skills, the ability to build resilience, the ability to embrace change and, and look for the opportunities. So in the book, we talk about the psychology of change. We talk about how we react to change and the emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. we experience when either when big change is done to us, but also when we instigate big change as well. So I, I take the reader through that change curve of uh, of emotions and and it's amazing how powerful some of the readers and some of the delegates on the workshops have, have told me it is just to realize that the powerful emotions that they feel when big change is done to them is normal for them to understand it's normal is such a huge relief for them I've, I've had I've had people in tears saying thank you I thought I was Week, I thought I was going crazy. So, so just to realize and accept those emotions is a huge first step. But what we then do in the book is to help us ask the magic question that we each have to ask ourselves to to get us out of the feeling like a victim when big big change is done to us. And that question is, okay, you've been dealt a bad hand. So, what are you going to do about it now? And that's the question that we we need to ask ourselves. So the, the, the last part of the book helps people to work out what they're going to do, it to admit their denial, to overcome their fears, to, to detach from their negative thoughts. Um, there's actually a section in there by my, by my wife, who's a, a yoga teacher called The Power of Yoga When It Comes to Change, which is really, really, really powerful. And, and the book helps people to, to build resilience and provides all sorts of tools, including a actually a personal change plan which you can download from from my website as well um, to become your own change leader or really your own change catalyst so it's all about emotions it's acknowledging those emotions are good and and um, and and harnessing those emotions for you to be able to put your own plan together and and be your own change catalyst that's 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 in a very very long-winded uh, nutshell what the book is actually about <laughs> so, so looking at 2021, what would be some of the advice you'd give to leaders to increase the resilience in the organization to to find opportunities? Because it's changed, it's pivoted so many businesses. 
but one of the po- <coughs> sorry, one of the positive sides I've heard in a lot of businesses is how 2020 some businesses have seen more positive change in six months that they could have hoped for, to see in six years before. So, what would be advice going into 2021? Yeah, that that is that is true, and I I think that's that's probably a, a brilliant piece of advice to actually look back on 2020 and not just see the negatives, not just see yeah. the, uh, the, the, the the carnage and the, you know, the, the, the deaths and the economic um, uh, downturn and all, all of that sort of thing, but actually look at what is it you've learnt about your ability to lead change? What is it that you've learnt about your people's ability to embrace change? Because they have, we have, we've done all, we do all sorts of things differently now that we, we didn't dream that we were able to do before. So there's, there are some positives that have come out of, of this year, and I'm forever being an optimist, but we do need to look back and go, actually, that we've learned from. You know, we've learned that people matter. We've learned that mental health matters. We've learned weirdly sure. that customer matters, you know. So, so it's actually to identify those things. But resilience is a, is a fantastic uh, phrase, and it's a, a chapter in, in this book. The, the best definition of resilience that I've ever heard was from Nelson Mandela, actually. And it was, mm-hmm. do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. And frankly, that's what uh, resilience yeah. is all about. It's the ability, I think, it's the ability to embrace change. But it's the ability to take some knocks and and uh, and come back swinging. You know, to, 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 to get back up and dust yourself off and go, okay, what have I learned from that? Not great. Let's get back on with it. Um I'd just mm-hmm. like to, uh, I've got four key attributes that I've, I've found sure. recently that aren't actually in the book from the American Psychological Association. And, and I just love them so much that I thought I'd like to mention them to you. And so they list four key attributes to resilience. The first one is the capacity, capacity to make realistic plans and to take steps to carry them out. So it's about sure. planning and then executing that plan. The second one is... A positive view of yourself, and I think that is so important. And mm. the magic word, confidence in your strengths and abilities. So to, to, sure. it's not just it's not just the power of positive thinking, but it's got substance behind it. It's I've got a positive mm. view of myself. I have belief in myself, but I've got confidence in my strengths and abilities. The third way to you know build or attribute to resilience is is communication skills and problem solving. If you can solve problems and like solving problems rather than sitting mm-hmm. there like a rabbit caught in the headlights, that's that's resilience. And the fourth one they describe as the capacity to manage strong feelings and impulses, uh, which I thought <laughs> was interesting. So I've done a, a Campbellized version, a, a kindergarten version of those. The number one thing is achieve things. Don't be a bystander yep. to your own life or a victim of sure. someone else's. I think that's that's quite deep. The second one is like yourself and trust yourself. The third is communicate and solve problems calmly. And the, and the fourth one is stay a little bit detached from everything that's that's going on. And if, if we can be doing that, obviously we with yogi yoga breathing techniques, if we can if we can do all that, then um, then we really will learn to uh, to build our resilience and and to be able to uh, cope with whatever change comes down the pike because change is inevitable it's it's being able to cope with it and embrace with it embrace it is i think one of the key life skills we all need to develop and it's certainly one of the key skills that uh, we need to 
um, embed in every culture, in every organization, mm. because change is not just inevitable, it's, uh, it's going to happen more and more and more frequently. Yeah, and I would agree that statement. I think uh, don't don't expect the, the pace of change to reduce. No. Um, and I, I love a couple of points you shared. Is one in your in your book in your articles you talk about the the uh, don't ex- don't expect change to always be positive because some people try to put a positive spin on everything. Yeah. It's okay to accept that sometimes the change doesn't feel positive. Um, but but how do we do something with it? And I liked your last comment around. It's important to reflect on all the positives because I've I've seen so many positives over the last uh, six months, nine months, really, in terms of people embracing, pivoting, doing amazing things with their teams. You talked about the recognition of the importance of mental well-being, mm. um, people accepting virtual work in, in some contexts, which I think would help us leapfrog in, in certain areas as we return to a new normal. There's so many beautiful things that have happened. The demonstration of actively caring in a lot of organizations has been phenomenal. That is so um, where I've, I've seen leaders and, and it manifests itself in employee engagements and happiness scores where phenomenal leaps and bounds because people did the right thing. And before they wanted a checklist on what does actively caring look like? And when they were in need, they showed up the right way. So mm. how do you multiply that? Yeah, and and, and it's, well, firstly, it, first it's acknowledging it, I think. It's also, there's all the, the boundary between um, the work-life balance we talked about last year, which seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> it's, 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 it's um, the, the grayer, the boundaries have disappeared. You know, if we're, I, right. I was running a, a webinar uh, for 20 employees uh the other day of one of my clients and and one of the the participants uh, just had her dog on her lap sitting in her office for the three hour of webinar <laughs> just, the dog had got so spoiled by having her around for the whole year that she would not leave her alone <laughs> and, and everyone just accepted it if, if this right. had happened in 2019, everyone would have gone. Will you get that dog off your lap? What are you doing? This is a serious. This is a serious webinar we're having here, and it was just part of part of life. You know, it's it's. I'm, right. I love I love the fact that we're be, we're we're now able to show more of our true self at work than we were mm-hmm. uh, a year ago. Now, there's a lot of negatives that have come out of this year, and there'll be there'll yep. be a lot of uh, you know a lot of bad change. And, and to go back to your starting point here, I, I really think that's quite powerful not to think that all change is good. And one of the things that I, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, and I think to be resilient, you need to be able to be an optimist, even in the, the worst uh, uh, possible uh, incidences of change. But two things that, 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 that in one of the other webinars I, I rang, I said, I, I said, what have you learned about change in 2020? The first person said, not all change is good. And the second person said, not all change is bad. <laughs> and I right. thought that that summed it up beautifully. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much, Campbell, for, for joining us today on, on this podcast. Uh, you've shared some some great pearls of wisdom whenever we think customer experience. To me, this is such a critical component to really think about the change journey, the change journey that the organization needs to go through, the individuals, the resilience is such an important topic. Uh, two great books. Definitely encourage you to go pick up Power of Change and The Change Catalyst. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to The CX Guru on C-Suite Radio. 
Increase the value you create. Grow your brand. Drive your success. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Come back in two weeks for the next episode. Or listen to our sister show, The Ops Guru, with Eric McCroskey. Fuel your future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.